Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Oakland Athletics 10, the Cleveland Guardians 5. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And you know what? It sucks, but it's baseball, right? You're, you're going to lose 70-some games. Like, it's going to happen. And the Oakland Athletics were on a 10-game losing streak. They were going to win again. It was going to happen. We we talked about this. We we talked that getting three out of four from the series is probably what you're looking for. All right, well, it's two and one right now. We go out here. We win this Sunday morning game, <laughs> this bizarre 11.30 start so that we could be on national television on the Peacock streaming service. And uh, it's fine. You win three out of four. It's fine. Unfortunately, yeah. And and the thing that sucks about this is that we were set up to win, right? That's the thing that hurts. If they had just come out and beat us from the first inning, it probably wouldn't have hurt as much. But the fact that we did everything we needed to do to win, we had a rally. We tacked on an insurance run. We had the lead going into the seventh. We had arguably our best pitcher on the mound, you know, with runners on the corner and nobody out to try to shut them down. Now, I said arguably. I did not say definitively. I said arguably. I think you could make a pretty strong case that Eli Morgan has been our most effective pitcher uh, this season. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was set up for the win. Eli Morgan. I mean, I wonder if Francona was planning on having Morgan go two innings. I, re- I really do. Uh, bringing him in the seventh there, uh, he... he, he he might have, if he gets out of that quickly, he might come out and go another inning or at least go another batter or two and then Classe come in for a four-out save. Because I don't I don't know if Francona really has anybody else in mind right now as being the third head in that bullpen, right? You know, he usually likes a three-headed monster out there. Someone goes seven, eight, nine. Uh, I'm not sure if he's really got, even when... Andrew Miller and Cody Allen were doing their thing in the 20-teens. Shaw was still the third head of that monster, right? No matter what inning Andrew Miller had to come in to the game, he could always go Shaw than Allen if he had to. So, yeah. So, you know, Eli Morgan might have been, the plan might have been to go at least an inning in in two-thirds or something like that. But it doesn't work out that way. The inning gets blown up, and frankly, it's not Eli Morgan's fault. Eli Morgan was pitching fine. He actually, Eli Morgan, this is the top storyline of the game. The top storyline is that seventh inning. Eli Morgan should have gotten out of this thing without giving up a run, which is incredible. After, you know, Plesak's kind of at the end of the line here. He gives up singles to vote. And to uh, Davidson, this is the bottom of their order. These are guys that are hitting below 200, but they both get singles off them. Eli Morgan comes in, strikes out Christian Pache. Pache, who is doing terrible in his first season at Oakland. He was the centerpiece of that trade for Matt Olson, And I'm sure Oakland fans are like, really? This guy's going to develop? He had three strikeouts on the day. He's hitting 162 with a 433 OPS. We all know what we'd be saying in Cleveland if a guy was hitting 162 with a 433 OPS. Um, so he strikes him out, goes with, frankly, doesn't even put that many on the plate. He throws a first pitch fastball to get that called strike. Then he goes away, he misses way away with a fastball. 
for ball one, gets him to change up at a uh, gets him to swing at a change up below his knees, and then blows him away with a fastball above his head. So really makes Pache expand the strike zone, and that brings up Tony Kemp. And Tony Kemp would chop one to first base. Naylor feels it cleanly. Give Naylor credit because he's playing, you know, he's holding the runner on the bag, so he's in a little bit. So he's got to field this one, um, you know, cleanly. And something in his footwork, you know, they said on the broadcast, was he trying to tag the runner coming off of first base? I don't know. It was strange. He ends up trying to throw the ball to second, but his footwork gets all messed up, and he ends up basically standing square to... He takes a step but doesn't throw. So he's standing square to second base with his hips square, his feet square, and then he tries to flick a throw. And you're you're always going to launch a throw when you do that. Like, that's terrible footwork. So he throws it over Ahmed Rosario's head, the run comes in to score, runners on first and second, still one out. That would have been a double play to end the inning with nobody scoring. He came out of the bullpen, runners on first and third, nobody out with a three-run lead, and that would have shut him down right there. That would have shut him down right there, but instead, the error lets the inning continue. And now Naylor you know, is probably thinking, Eli Morgan is probably thinking like, fine, all right, it's a 5-3 game. We still have a 5-3 lead, all right? It's not like the error gave up the whole inning. Um, You know, we could still get out of this thing. He strikes out Ramon Laureano on five fastballs, just pumping fastballs by him. He was in love with the fastball yesterday, threw a ton of fast. You know, someone who throws the changeup a lot, he ends up throwing... 19 fastballs to only four changeups, and it would get him in trouble here. You're going to see this in a second. It's going to get him in trouble. Um, so I don't know. Maybe he wasn't feeling the changeup. Maybe they, they something in the bullpen, and he just decided to throw a lot of fastballs. When he came into the game, he said, hey, I'm throwing fastballs today. I don't know why he threw that many fastballs. So he strikes out. He blows away Loriano. Now he's got two outs. Bethancourt jumps all over a first-pitch fastball. Clearly, he's standing in the on-deck circle going, all right, it's a fastball. Sure, it's let's do it. Um, so, yeah, so he hits a single um, on a pitch down and in, and so it loads the bases up. It loads the bases up for Seth Brown, and he thought he struck out Seth Brown. Again, almost all fastballs. Starts him off with a fastball, frankly, right down the pipe that he swings through. Uh, he's lucky that he swings through that one for strike one. Throws him a changeup down that he lays off below the knees for ball two. Or for ball one. Sorry, second pitch, ball one. It's a 1-1 count. Goes, uh, misses high with a fastball for ball two. So now we got a 2-1 count. Throws him another high fastball that he foul tips. So now we've got a 2-2 count. Now he's got him where he wants him. And he goes for an inside fastball. Tries to burn him on the inside edge to the left-handed hitter. And he just, he does. We all saw it on the broadcast. We wanted that to be strike three. We wanted him to ring him up. He just um, couldn't do it. This thing is technically off the plate. It is. It's just off the black inside to the left-handed hitter. I know we all wanted that to be strike three. He got it up to 94 miles per hour, probably the hardest pitch he threw on the day. Uh, And he just couldn't get the call. 
it's a hell of a pitch. It's a hell of a pitch. And you know what? Probably 75% of the time, you're going to get the call. Because the even the umpire's eye levels at this point have to be raised, raised with all the high fastballs that Eli Morgan was throwing. So to drop one in right at the belt, right on that inside edge, yes, yeah, 75% of the time, you're probably going to get that call. He just doesn't get the strike three call. He tries to go back up with a fastball to Seth Brown. And Seth Brown absolutely destroys it. 107.8 miles per hour, 408 to the seats in right field. It's a grand slam. It jumps Oakland ahead by two, makes it a 7-5 to game. And suddenly, Eli Morgan has his first blown save of the season. Now, I'm not exactly 100% sure why. we talk, I think we talked about this earlier in the series because Seth Brown keeps hitting extra base hits off of us. And I don't know why we're going up there. He had already hit a home run from up there before in this series. I don't know why we keep going up. He has a decent exit velocity up there. Um, now, he doesn't have that many. He's got a couple of barrels from up there. He doesn't have that many. Not like he has a home. He's never had a home run in that zone this season. That's the first one middle up that he's had all season. But, he has, frankly, he's only had one hit from up there. Most of his hits come from middle of the plate and uh, down and in. But if you want to strike this guy out, his whiff percentage is 57% down and away. It's 59% down and in. It's 41% to the outside, down outside corner. His whiff spot is down and away. And you have a, you're a right-hander with a nasty changeup. Why are you throwing so many fastballs at the top of the zone when that's a p- place where this guy can't hit a barrel? When this guy strikes out so much down and away, and he whiffs so much down and away, why aren't you throwing that change up? I don't know. I don't know. It seemed like, how am, I, how am I looking at this data? I'm sitting here in my house, looking at StatCast, looking at this data, going, if I'm facing Seth Brown, I'm throwing him a change up down and away if I've got the count in my favor. He's going to swing and miss. That's where he whiffs. How am I looking at that data, and how are they not approaching him that way on the actual mound? You know that the pitching Carl Willis has this data. Eli Morgan looked at this data before they went into the game, you know? Maley, who was catching at the time, has this data. He, I'm assuming he studies this data before the game starts, knowing this is the lineup he's facing. So... I don't know why Eli Morgan was attacking with so many high fastballs. But that's what he was doing. And it ends up finally burning him. Uh, they get the big hit. And then they just continue to unload. Uh, they just unload solo home runs. It felt like the kind of game where they said, we are done losing. We've seen this from the Guardians before, where they go in these big offensive slumps. And then all of a sudden, they put up double digits on somebody. Because they're just sick and tired of losing and everybody... I mean, you're getting solo home runs then from Sean Murphy, from Steven Vogt, uh, and who else had a solo home run of the day? Oh, Bethancourt gets one. Right. Now, Bethancourt's been hitting all right this season, but Murphy's a 202 hitter. Uh, Vogt's a 174 hitter. Yes, these guys have power. Vogt had a good day. He was 3 for 3 on the day. Um, yes, these guys have power, but they're having terrible seasons. 
And they just really unloaded then. Off of De Los Santos gives up a solo home run, but does strike out three. Sam Henches gives up two solo home runs, but does strike out three in his inning of work, inning and a third of work. So yeah, it's uh, it's one of those days where Oakland just unloads. Now, it wasn't the only storyline in the game. There was a whole game before the seventh inning that the Guardians were on pace to win because they finally got the Frankie Montas. Uh, Montas started really strong, right? He even strikes out Jose Ramirez in the first inning. Plesak started out a little shaky, and then he settles down throughout the game. Uh, Plesak, neither of them have like great lines, eye-popping CSW numbers or anything like that. Montas goes six innings, gives up eight hits, five earned runs, a walk, and two strikeouts on 91 pitches. He's only hard hit five times. Plesak goes six innings as well, also gives up eight hits. He only gives up four runs, three earned, and some of those were inherited runners that Eli Morgan had taken over. No walks, which is good. Two strikeouts on 88 pitches for him. Now, he's hard hit a lot more. He's hard hit one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times. Um, Plesak, it looked like his command was off, especially with his fastball, kind of all day, especially early. If I go inning by inning here, uh, he never really, the second inning is probably his best inning as far as command goes. Uh, he never really seems to get that fastball under command all day. He's missing high with it a lot on the day. Um, I'd like to say that as the game went on, he got that pitch more under control, but not not really. He he missed with a lot of fastballs up. Um, even the changeups felt up. The curveballs he was throwing for strikes, uh, the sliders he was attacking, the zone with. It's a decent day by Plesak. I I don't think he would say it was a great day from him. But he managed, I mean, technically, technically it was a quality start from him. Six innings pitched, three earned runs or less. Technically, it goes down as a quality start for him. And if Morgan, if they turn that double play, it really goes down as a quality start. I mean, he was on pace to be six innings, giving up two runs, which would have been a very good start. But unfortunately, nope, uh, doesn't get it on this day. Uh, like I said, it's not eye-popping CSW numbers on any of his pitches. Uh, he got uh, okay whiffs on his slider. He was at 42% whiff rate on his slider. And for, actually, you know what? It's okay. It's a 38% CSW on his slider. Five whiffs, four called strikes on 24 pitches. 38% on a slider. That's pretty respectable right there. They only put three of those in play. Um, yeah, his fastball was at a 31% CSW. It's a 25% CSW total on the day for Zach Plesak. So, you know, not eye-popping numbers or anything like that, but it's a competent start. He does make one sterling defensive play. Um, he gets a ball in the top of the fourth inning. Top of the fourth inning, they're able to add a run. They get some runs in the first inning because they're, frankly, just hammering him hard in the first inning, leaving a lot of pitches up at the top of the zone. And Oakland hitters, you know, they get a run off him in the first. In the fourth, they rally a little bit and get another run off him. Oscar Gonzalez has a chance to make a play at the plate. His throws a little bit up the first base side. Gonzalez has a strong arm. We're going to have to see how accurate that arm is, right? He did throw somebody out earlier in the season, but... You know, it's a short stint so for him so far. So it's a small sample size, but I feel like he's had a few throws up the first base side. Uh, not quite as accurate as you would like to see. So we'll continue to see how Gonzalez does defensively out there. So uh, 
that was in the top of the fourth, but Plesak is able to get out of that fourth inning. A ball hit to his right side. He barehands it. If you have not seen this highlight yet, you have to. You have to. Seriously. You have to go see this highlight. He barehands the ball, fires it to first base in one motion, like a jump throw to first base, and walks off the field before it even gets there. Before it's it's the no-look pass. I mean, it's pretty incredible. I mean, it's what LeBron James does uh, on the basketball court nightly, right? That no-look pass to a cutting uh, teammate who throws down a dunk, and LeBron's already running back down the court because he knows how this is going to end. Right? You've seen it before. You ever you ever do it in bowling where you do the no-look strike where you throw it so perfectly down the lane that you turn and walk back and look at just look at the reaction of your friends as all those pins explode for a strike? Right? That's kind of what uh, Zach Plesek does here. He scoops it barehanded, jumps, throws, and he's already walking off the field before that thing is in Naylor's glove. So it's a pretty cool play, and you got to see the dugout angle. Stick through the highlights so they show it a second time. They show the dugout cam. That's the one that's really cool to see. So a great defensive play from Plesek there. And uh, there are Guardians highlights in this game. I know we've kind of been talking a lot of Oakland in this one because, hey, they put up 10 runs. What am I going to do? But there were some Guardians highlights in this one. I mean, they go off for a four-run fourth inning. Who's leading the charge but Jose Ramirez? Of course he is. Uh, it's a really, really good inning, and you thought this was going to be the kind of thing that gets them back in the game, that kind of wins the game. So with one out, Ahmed Rosario singles into left field, a nice line drive single from Ahmed Rosario. I know those things don't make, you know, don't make his, you know, stack cast page look spectacular, but if you're just watching the game on the field, I'll take singles from Ahmed Rosario. When he's on the base path, good things happen, and that's what happens here. Jose Ramirez somehow chops one through the right side, right? It gets uh, past the first baseman, under the second baseman, into right field, and somehow he runs this thing out for a double. I don't know what Ramon Laureano was doing out there in right field. Frankly, I don't know what he was doing all day because he gets ejected from this game, arguing with the umpire at first base from the dugout. Like, Laureano had himself a weird day. But he kind of hesitates with the ball, and Jose Ramirez does not hesitate on the base path. He takes second base, and then the throw gets deflected by Tony Kemp, kind of rolls into no man's land. Ahmed Rosario comes in to score, and Jose Ramirez hustles all the way down to third. So it's a huge job by Jose Ramirez getting things going in that fourth inning. And then Naylor reaching all the way across to the outside of the strike zone, grounds one to first base, and Jose Ramirez, frankly, crack of the bat. He is off like a cannon. And Bethancourt at first base tries to come home with it. Jose Ramirez gets the hand in. It's a fun play at the plate that Jose Ramirez wins. And a great reaction from Jose Ramirez. I love this reaction because he kind of pops up and gives himself a low high five, slaps his own hand in excitement. He is pumped. I mean, to basically, I mean, it's it's like when you, you get yourself out of a pickle or something like that. Like, as a runner, he puts himself in that situation, and he relies on his own speed, and he just beats Betancourt to home plate with the ball, right? It's just It's got to feel good as a base runner to bet on yourself and win, whether you're stealing a base or whether you're hustling home on a chopper to the first baseman, right? To bet on yourself and win, got to be a good feeling. So Jose Ramirez has a great reaction 
behind home plate. You know, he's he's usually so. It was weird to see because he's usually so. I wouldn't say buttoned up, but he just he he has that walk of confidence, and everything kind of goes into that walk of confidence. And whether he hits a home run or you know where he makes a rare error or something like that, if he gets caught stealing, you know, it's still that walk of confidence. It's rare to kind of see him have this big of a reaction to something, have this big of an emotion to something. I, I mean, I know he's a very excited guy in the dugout, cheering on his teammates and stuff like that. But it was kind of cool to see him have this reaction to his own play. Uh, usually he just gives us that strut of confidence. But this one he has an, a visual reaction to. Then Oscar Gonzalez with a single. Gonzalez had a lot of big hits in this game. Gonzalez had... Uh, a couple of doubles in this game. He was hitting the ball hard. He had three balls hit over 100 mile per hour exit velocity. Uh, Gonzalez had himself a heck of a day. And he singles here, which moves Naylor up to second. Andres Jimenez then works a walk. Loads the bases up for Owen Miller, who is a sack fly master. And uh, hits one to deep center field. It goes for a sack fly. Naylor comes in to score. Gonzalez goes to third. And that brings up Richie Palacios. He's got runners on the corner. Two outs. I believe it was a 1-1 count. So he's got a strike to play with here. And the infield is playing back. And he decides, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I've been waiting to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to drop a bunt down the third baseline. They are never going to see this coming. And that's exactly what happens. I mean, Davidson charges in and fields it cleanly. But I don't even know he makes a throw because it was that good of a bunt. And the only people that were ready for it were the Guardians runners on the base path. I mean, you have to have ice in your veins with runners on the corner and two outs to drop down a bunt. Now, he does it on the 1-1 count because if it goes foul, hey, all right, I still, I'm still up here. I still got a chance to get this guy in. But he takes the risk. He drops on the bunt. He bets on himself again, and he beats it out, and Gonzalez comes in to score. And they, they have a look with each other like, yeah, buddy. Yeah, we've we've done this before in the minor leagues. We've been teammates for a while. And uh, yeah, this is something we can do. So uh, it's a fun play. It brings in that uh, fourth run of the fourth inning. I like it. You're hitting at the bottom of the lineup. Nobody, you know, when you're hitting, uh, or you're hitting eighth in the lineup, you know, people aren't expecting that much from you down there. And just get a sneaky play like that in with runners on the corner. The last thing they would expect. That's pretty cool stuff. Uh, and then they would add, in the sixth inning, they would add an insurance run for Plesak. Oscar Gonzalez kicks things off with a double. Line drive to right field. Kind of cool to see him lift the ball that far to the opposite field. You know, the right-handed batter shooting one down the line into right field off the wall. Uh, what was the exit velocity on this one? Uh, going to the sixth inning, it was 101.9 miles per hour exit velocity. By the way, his single earlier was 109.8 mile per hour exit velocity. And uh, where does his second double come in? His second double comes in in the eighth inning at 108.4 miles per hour. Unfortunately, it was with two outs, and Jimenez would strike out behind him, so they can't turn it into any runs. Um, but yeah, hitting the ball ridiculously hard. Uh, Jimenez would ground out, but it would move Gonzalez up to third. And then Owen Miller doesn't have to hit a sack fly this time. He's able to pull a double down the left field line. So it's nice to see Owen Miller get an extra base hit here. And uh, it brings in uh, Oscar Gonzalez's score. So they put up an insurance run. 
Unfortunately, it wasn't insurance enough. I mean, a 5-2 lead felt pretty good, but it just wasn't enough on the day. So they get us. Oakland gets us. It's going to happen. The Guardians played a good game until everything unraveled. I would say, you know, until they're with one out in the seventh inning, the Guardians were playing a really good game. From that point forward, not so much. It falls apart. Oakland, you know, has the revenge. Not just the revenge on Cleveland. The revenge on everybody that's been beating them over this 10-game losing streak. So, streak's over. We come back to the ballpark. We play it again. And we see what happens, right? Do the Guardians get back to their winning ways? Do they finish off this set against Oakland? This is the one we need, right? This is the one we really want. This makes it a 3-1 to one series is a much, much better outcome than splitting this series 2-2. So let's go out and win this thing. It's going to be Irvin for the Athletics going up against Quantrill. I've got faith in Quantrill to finish this thing off. Now, Irvin is a left-handed pitcher. So... Is Francona going to do that thing he does where he sells out the bench against a left-handed hitter? I would expect to see Mercado or Clement or both in this lineup today. Which left-hander is going to get a chance? Naylor at first base. Jimenez, is he going to get a chance? Quan, uh, which of the left-handed hitters is going to get to stay in the lineup? We'll see. I mean, it's an 11-30 game. I mean, ch- they don't have the lineups published yet, but the lineups are going to be coming out any minute now. They're, they're going to have to. Uh, you're going to have to rush to listen to this episode and get through this episode before the next game starts. Uh, chances are you've probably just waited to listen to this until after the 11:30 game because uh, it's a quick, quick turnaround at Progressive Field. It's going to be interesting to see what the crowd is like for an 11:30 game. I mean, they've had over 20,000 at these last at the uh, Friday and Saturday night, you know, so that's a pretty good turnout. Uh, you know, for a weekend series against Oakland. So we'll see what the crowd is like for this Sunday morning game. All right, that is all my thoughts on this one. Hey, we put up a good fight, but what are you going to do? MVP on the day. By the way, the MVP from yesterday, I, I know I forget this segment all the time. I don't know if you're waiting to the end of the show to hear who MVP of the day was or if uh, you're like, whatever. But yesterday was definitely Jose Ramirez. Uh, on this game, I got to give it to Oscar Gonzalez. I mean, like I said, three big hits on the day, two extra base hits, uh, really smacking doubles off the wall. It's cool to see. The exit velocity is incredible. Uh, so Oscar Gonzalez uh, definitely gets my MVP on the day. All right, that's all my thoughts on this one. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final from Cleveland. It's the Athletics 10, the Guardians 5. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash clevelandbaseballmornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.